shop in Florida? Never thought I'd see that Florida headline. The Gypsy Brewer of Denmark throws a party, and nobody wants to come. What is beer's true serving size? All of it. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. I'm Jeremy Jones, and we have a special guest today, all the way from Burton-upon-Trent, the inventor of the IPA, George Hodgman. Wait, hold on a second. I'm getting a message here. Really? Dead? How long? 300 years? Someone should really fucking text me these things. Okay, no problem. we got a plan B. All the way from London, England, the inventor of beer, Charlie Mops. Hold on, I'm getting another message. What? Fictional? Are you fucking kidding me? God, you can't even trust Irish drinking songs this day. Okay, fine. You know what? We'll just go with Tyler's name again. How are you doing, Tyler? <laughs> I'm doing excellent. Uh, I'm <laughs> glad to be in this esteemed panel. Uh, you... Peasant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's less esteemed now since uh, uh, we we couldn't get any of those people to show up on account of being uh, dead or non-existent. But um, sucks to be them. Now you're left with the one true expert, me. Um, I'd actually argue philosophically, it's nothing to be them because they no longer exist <laughs> or never existed. Um, but before we get into uh, the deep philosophical questions of the day, um, let's talk about what we're drinking. Because um, I am going to torture the fuck out of you this entire episode. <laughs> Don't worry. I will get my revenge, people. I will get my revenge. Um, it is it is uh, uh, the, the end of October. It is pumpkin beer season, and I love them. And I'm inflicting a bunch of them on Tyler. Uh, we are starting off with, um, I don't know, the... The peach pumpkin ale that Budweiser doesn't brew. <laughs> the I, yeah, the quintessential um, uh, pumpkin beer, Elysian's Night Owl. How bad? How bad does this offend you? Not terrible. I mean, it's like pumpkin beers have never offended me. I I take a drink. I'm like, oh yep, that's pumpkin. <laughs> cool. I'm over it. Can we get to actual beers now? No, just these. You were just going to do these? So, I do love the name of the hub beer we have on the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that'll 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 make it better. Um they're just they're they're nice, they're light, they're slightly sweet. There's been one pumpkin beer that I was like, "Ooh, that is delicious." It's like eating a pumpkin pie while drinking bourbon, and that was Anderson's Valley's Bourbon Barrel Aged Pumpkin Ooh, Beer. Ooh, that was good. And I was like, I can fuck with this one. I made a um, a pumpkin barley wine at one point in time that I put a uh, I mixed with uh, like an entire uh, little container of pumpkin spice and bourbon. It's fan fucking fantastic. <laughs> I took like a little taster glass first, and I added I think probably a teaspoon of the pumpkin spice just to that uh, taster glass, just to see if I could possibly overdo it. Mm-hmm. And when I figured out I could not, it all went in. Of course it did. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Tyler, do you want to kick us off today? So, since it is on the tail end of the, one of the most wonderful times of the year, not fucking pumpkin beers, but fresh hop, uh, saw an article from Fox 13 out of Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida just did its first successful hop harvest. How much meth was involved? I, it's got to be a lot. <laughs> they, I mean, they, that's the only way. They, we, 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 put the, we put the hops in there and we pull them out of the ground ourselves. Yeah. Um, so uh, the article starts, uh, says, With the Pulsaw, field manager, Chris Del Castillo. Oh, fuck. 
the Castilio cuts the crop, it feeds the machine that separates it. Uh, this is six years in the making from uh, what the article kind of gets into. Um, the crops are still rare, uh, but it's starting to show some promise. Uh, the They talked to a couple beer makers, Desiree Chubb and, Tyler, or, and Ty Weaver, uh, that said they looked at each other and were like, this is never going to work when the project started. Uh, and now they're making beer with them. Uh, and they talked about how it started. Uh, hops in Florida were originally just like kind of that small side project. People would cut down with their little stepladder. Now they're actually getting farms that are running lines using a genie and a hop deconer uh, to actually harvest them and get a decent crop uh so they had a dozen beer brewers down and a dozens of beer brewers and hop growers turned out tuesday for a field day at the university of florida's ifas gulf coast research and education center (laughs) jesus fucking christ can you do a longer name I just, I could visibly see you, like, get tired of that name halfway through. You just saw a sudden, like, eh, oh, shit, I'm over you. There's another word? Uh, and uh, they believe that this can be a big cash crop almost for Florida uh, because it can help really stoke fresh hop season in Florida. Uh, they're then able to get the hops for cheaper to the Florida brewers even after they've been processed. Bunch of other options and maybe even come up with some different varietals. Well, that's my my, my, my big question. I mean, is it a, is it a different varietal uh, that's growing in Florida or are they just uh, co- coax it along uh, uh, long enough that it actually w- grew? Uh, so from what the article said, it seems like they're using varietals that are common in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but they're actually using lights to extend the daylight to match the amount of daylight that you would get in the Pacific Northwest. Is that the problem? Is that, is that why you can't grow hops below? Because I would think the heat and the humidity would be the problem. But that's kind of what I was thinking. But the article specifically mentions them using lights. Um, and Florida has one advantage over the great Pacific Northwest. Access to meth. Fault that too. Um. They'll get a second growing season, so they can do two fresh hops a year. And we had talked about this when the universe, Colorado State was trying to grow hops like they grow weed. Right. And how they could get up to four a year. Um, and we're like, you know, it's crazy. No one's ever been able to get two crops in a year. Well, now Florida may be actually one-upping the Northwest at their own game. Two fresh hop seasons. I mean, it would finally it would it would nice to to have a a some sort of seasonal in the spring that is a spring seasonal. Uh, it's not quite spring, so the harvest would be looking at about one crop getting harvested in June and another crop in November. June, Jesus, that seems early. But I guess if you're I guess you're okay. But if your growing season is, you're, if you can grow throughout the winter throughout the, months, basically start. Yeah, you you. Play, you well, I guess not plant them, but you cut them down in November, they grow right back. Yeah. I guess. So, um, which I would love to... The more fresh hop beers I can have, the happier I think I would be. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, they 
then talk about how this can actually help boost the craft beer economy by adding hop farmers. It can uh, help develop the taste buds of craft beer fans down in that area. And immediately I thought back to Andrew Dill, who we talked to last week. Mm. Probably be able to get some more fresh hop beers over in his area or get some fresh hops to brew his own fresh hop beer uh, if certain become more abundant in Florida or something a little closer than Washington, Oregon, or Idaho. Right. Some good news to start our podcast episode. Okay, good. I get to ruin it then. Do do I? I Jeremy, have you never listened to one of our podcasts? This is how it always goes. I bring some good news. Yeah, shit on everyone's hopes and dreams, and uh, then we keep going. <laughs> and we break for a week, and we do it again. I was going to say, and then usually it just spirals down and down uh, throughout the rest of the episode, or occasionally we have a feel-good story at the end. Well, it usually goes, feel good story, bad story, and then you do something about uh, uh, cheap uh, cheap beer marketing. Dick joke, dick joke, dick joke, you're grundle, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I, I feel I haven't I don't think this season I've done a cheap beer marketing story you haven't I'm, I'm really disappointed because the one I was gonna do you grabbed and then yeah they've been slacking well while you're while you're thinking of uh, uh, of a, uh, a cheap beer marketing story um well the bad news uh, Michaela you done fucked up and people don't want to come to your party news now uh, this story is actually kind of an amalgamation of three stories um, reported in Good Beer Hunting by uh, Kate Bernat. Um, McKellar, been a staple of the international craft beer industry, uh, so-called gypsy brewers of Denmark are kind of known for flying all over Helen Creation and collaborating with all different types of breweries and other organizations. Um, they- What's the brewery? I thought they had like a United States counterpart too. They have so they have a they have a few tasting rooms. Evil in- Twin, yeah. Evil Twin, that's who I was thinking of. Okay. Um, Sorry, I just ADHD'd over. They, uh, well done. Well, they also have like a tap room in San Diego, mm-hmm. um, and of course one in Denmark. Um, Do they have one in New York too? Or quite possibly. Uh, this uh, the story mentioned that it has several locations in the United States and around the world, uh, but the the events in question mostly focus around their tap room in San Diego and then in Denmark. Um, okay. Um, on the morning of uh, June 12th of uh, this year, um, the good people of McKellar awoke to find a protest happening on the walls of their brewery. A group that only refers to themselves by their Instagram handle, uh, McKellarBeer.Protest. And by the way, you can, if you want to see all the pictures we're going to be talking about, um, you can check out the... check McKellarBeer.Protest? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, go check it out there. But um, this group claimed responsibility for tacking up three parody McKellar beer labels that feature a McKellar cartoon character. One of them features a McKellar uh, cartoon character giving the middle finger with the phrase, Happy Women's Day underneath. Um, racism, get away with it, (laughs) and super cool sexist beer. Um, The protest uh, was uh, by uh, some employees or ex-employees in response to a few labels that McKellar had recently released that are problematic, is is the word. I I think they were well, the labels were well-intentioned. But they were ill thought out at best and simply negligent at worst. Um, and I honestly don't think anyone in McKellar was actively going out to offend anybody. But 
I they mean, weren't you, trying to stop it either. Well, did you see any of them that we were... No, I haven't. Hold on, let me pull up... Uh, let me ready the... Uh, um, ready the ones we're talking about so you can Do see the them. prep work uh, yeah. that you should have done? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, the first one... So it was the... Uh, the, the first one they... they was a, a collaboration I did with... Can, I am going to butcher the Danish language, okay? Let's make peace with, peace, peace with this right now, okay? You have some letters that are not in the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> they are wrong, and I don't know how to say them. Um, Kerhoshik, I'm going to go with. Uh, they're brown braids ale. Um, oh. it, it features a it, oh, it features a cart. Uh, McKellar has oh. this like, <laughs> yeah, that is the cor- that's the oh. correct. Those are the correct noises. I mean, you're a marketing like, guy. <laughs> so if so, McKellar- I've even trying to think like, put on my Anheuser Busch thinking cap here. How could I spin that to not to be like we're the vi- how like channel my inner Mark Zuckerberg here and be like we're the true victim here. We're being attacked. But there ain't no fucking way you can spin that shit. Um, for those of you who uh, can't see it, um, basically, it, it the, the the label features. Um, it's that it, McKellar has like a cartoony style to their labels, okay? Yeah. Except for this, it's usually fe- like a cartoon dude with kind of a bigger nose. Yeah, this features a black woman, and um, in that same style, but it it's just one of those things that's like, ooh, it doesn't. You kind of go, that feels vaguely racist. I don't know why or how. Where they're putting some of the <laughs> emphasis, I'm like, you're doing, you're playing into stereotypes here. I mean, you said, I mean, again, I you, you kind of go like, I feel like that was ill thought out. And you really should, you know, the, the, it's ill thought out. And by the way, I don't understand the whole story of the collaboration. Or the reason for that specific imagery, other than we'll call it brown braids and we'll make this picture. Yeah. And so I just like I don't see the upside. Like, what were you trying to accomplish? Like the only thing I can think of is you're trying to play into a stereotype or and be at the very best slightly racist. There is no other way to spin that name or that into kind of a non-racist way that I can think of. Um, the second label, we'll get, I mean, strap in. The second label they had an issue with was for um, for Mexus Range. And let me just go ahead and pop that up for uh, uh, for Tyler here. Oh, no. Um, <clears throat> there you are. Oh, my fucking <laughs> God. Really? Now, to be fair. Really? Really? <laughs> So the what motherfucker? <laughs> what uh, uh, Tyler is reacting to right there? Um, basically, so just a quick stop. When you said Mexus Range, I was like, "Huh, what are they trying to get at?" And then seeing the label, I was like, "That's fucked." Uh, it features uh, two has two figures: a man and a woman running. Um, the woman is carrying a red pepper. Um, the the figures are both drawn in black and it says crossing the border, and again, so Mexico Texas border, and then it has a gun in between Mexus and yeah. range, signifying they're the targets on the shooting range. The the again, it's like something out of like the sitcom. It's always sunny. Like 
the characters putting together something i think in their minds it's completely benign but when you see the results you're like oh shit i would not have done that (laughs) and then i imagine charlie day going no that's not what we meant (laughs) yeah that's kind of what i'm getting here um and it should be said that on Instagram, there are differing opinions on all of these. There are comments uh, by people of color on both of these are basically, you know, stop being offended on our behalf. I don't see anything wrong with them and lighten the fuck up, um, which is a valid opinion, if that, I suppose. Um, but uh, from a business perspective, well, though, why would you even put these out and risk isolate at even if you don't care about being politically correct or blatantly outright racist, why would you want to isolate some of your customers who may They're, be targeted by this? Oh, you kind of look at it like, I'm not sure I see the upside. What yeah. How does? What were you going for? Um, this third one, and that's actually the lead... They, they got the most heat for, but it's, a little, it's less uh, um, obvious what the, uh, uh, the issue is. Um, but it's okay, the, well, I want to see if I can find the issue. Uh, it's the girls are awesome line. Their uh, uh, the beer's only titled female. It's, it's more just inexplicable. Kind of like, uh, what are you doing? Um, and the, the, the collaboration, and let's say it's completely inexplicable. The collaboration was done with an advertising network called Girls Are Awesome. Okay. Which is an offshoot of Bitch Slap Magazine <laughs> in Denmark. So that's how you got to that weird... No- I mean, again, so, uh, listen, I spent the better part of an hour looking shit up, and I still have no fucking idea how Bitch Slap Magazine and Girls Are Awesome are related, but I will say this, my search ended up, and this is true, to a blog spot page called Chicks and Bikes that hasn't been updated in nearly a decade, and that's all it is. It's, it's women around and on and sometimes in bicycles. There's a there's a picture there's a picture of a picture of a woman's head in the in bicycle spokes for some reason. What the fuck? I mean, it's just I, some of them are pornographic. It's the most unintentional porn I've yet run into. There's there are just up oh, and she's naked and that's nice. And then and then right next to it, there's a picture of looks like it was taken right out of a racing magazine. And so. It literally, it literally looks like what would happen if you sent a uh, an internet bot into the inter- you know into the and was like make me a web page about bikes, like bikes and girls, and say bikes. It just it is just a, random, a bunch of random pictures. It's like the first AI learning website. <laughs> I will say, but I did find a website for girls who are awesome, um, and that age ad agency claims to have worked with Adidas and Brooklyn Brewing. They don't mention McKellar, but given how this went over, I, it's it's it, I just it's reasonable to assume that they're keeping on the DL because the so there are two beers in the female lineup, blonde and brunette, and uh, they featured. So redheads are just abandoned. I mean, listen, there's my, you know there's my problem because why are you leaving my favorite out? Um, they but they featured a woman's hand with the word female, and that's kind of it. And the idea, and I'm quoting the Facebook of uh, quoting the Facebook page from its 2018 release. It is a quote, a lighthearted project highlighting the simple fact that women enjoy a damn good beer as much as men. Fair enough, except for as a few writers from the beer world pointed out, the labels literally are objectifying women by just putting their hand there, um, reducing uh, reducing women down to their hands and categorizing all women in in two categories: blonde, brunette. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
and this is not how it's intended, but as Angie Lim pointed out on a Medium article, uh, quote, if you are creating bold statements in your press release, such as seeking to erase a consumption that beer is just for men, how are you creating that impact with this product? What and how do you expect that releasing this beer will do to erase the conception? And she finished up by saying, as brands, you have a split second in today's age to win over the customer. You've completely and utterly lost me at face value. I've already lost it. I see female. I see blonde. I see or blonde or brunette. Sexist, period. So, but as is so often the case, when criticism began pouring in, um, in McKellar uh, and their ad agency, which people report, uh, which people report at the time was owned by two men. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, so, I mean... This last one, I could almost give McKellar a pass for. Because I'm like, you had good intentions. It just sounds like the ad well, only included a group of guys in. And you never stopped to think, let's get the female perspective on this. Well, it's not even that. I was like, what? I mean, again, you kind of go, run me through this in your you head. You still fucked up, but... It, but, it was the most well-intentioned fucked up out of the three? Well, but the, the I think the real problem, you know, is not so much these. It's that McKellar um, basically, you know, uh, when people started, you know, you know, pouring in criticism, like, what, what are you trying to do? They eventually just started cutting and pasting, like, corporate slogans at, in response. Oh, no. And... No. What... <laughs> you know, and so I mean, they just kind of completely just, just you know, just refuse to engage, refuse to talk about it. Um, just we thank you for your opinion and come drink our beer, you know, kind of thing. Um, which I don't know if you've been to the internet; <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It, it's only gonna cause more problems. But outright, like, it, it's a slippery slope for a company. Like, you almost need to put out, like, a response video of what you were trying to do. Or even come out and say, okay, here's what we were trying to do. Obviously. We fucked up. Obviously, from the response, we seem to have not have accomplished that. <laughs> we missed the mark, man. So. We're like Boise State's kicker. <laughs> we're wide right. So, we're going to. We're going to go back into this room. We're going to invite some fucking women this time, and we're going to hash it out again. They did not do that, but what um, they basically on all of the on, in all of these cases just refused to engage anybody, and which led to the protest. But what the protest seems to have done is create a touchstone for a brewery that's been suffering under a pretty obvious bro culture, which also explains where these come from. Caper uh, not reported. Uh, uh, the stories of three women in July this year, which basically point to a culture of her of bullying and harassment for anybody who's not a white dude. Uh, Megan Stone, we've talked about her before, actually. She used to work at McKellar uh, Brewery in San Diego. Was she one of the ones in that uh, the whole thing that blew up about the women's experience in craft beer? Uh, no, but we're but we get to her too. Okay. I don't think this was her, but um, uh, no, Megan Stone. Um, she is a brewer. She um, and she's based. She um, she either she she's a brewer at a, one of the larger uh, 
breweries in uh, California, but she's been very vocal in, um, you know, on issues like this. But um, she described um, working for McKellar, quote, I used to describe it as the fuck it brewery. Um, overall, I feel like it, it was, uh, the workplace was extremely toxic and juvenile. At one point she reported um, that the head brewer in San Diego who know who knew that uh, Stone is gay said he would quote fuck her straight. Not good. Um, oh boy. Another employee who wanted to remain nameless said that she was constantly bullied because of her gender. At one point, saying quote her colleagues and someone said to her quote her colleagues and journalists only worked with her because they wanted to have sex with her. Um, and as and, as, and the stories go on, Fanny Wendell. A uh, former employee in Copenhagen used her Instagram to collect hundreds of stories of sexism. Everything from kind of douchey boy behavior to full-on sexual assault. And at every level, uh, you know, they the women reported trying to reach out to someone to help and stop this horse shit, only to find out that there is no real HR at, uh, at anywhere in McKellar. Um, and they had to go to their managers, who were as often as not part of the problem, if not um, the problem. Yeah. Um, and besides charges of sexism, a lot of the women who worked there were simply trying to bring up simple operational and quality control issues. Like Megan Stone, um, she pointed out that um, the a lot of the hoses they were using, you know, were were not were unsafe for the for the temperature of the liquids they were using. Um, they were being left uh, out and uh, and open, and she requested that needed to get different hoses, and they basically said, "Use what you got." Um, and um, literally just trying to help protect the employees and protect the quality of beer. Uh, Teresa Pomaville, a tapper manager in San Diego, uh, said in the Good Beer Hunting article, quote, it was more about getting product out over any sort of quality. We attempted a quality control program and they eventually hired somebody, but the whole program was kind of a joke. And Erica Ray, who was actually one of the employees uh, in that quality control program said this about it, quote, everything was shot down like this is the way we've always done it. Their commitment to quality was not what you'd expect from a brewery that ships beer internationally. It was almost like they knew there were problems, but they didn't think it was their problem. Like it must be the way you're storing the bottle in your bottle shop or how it's being shipped. I'm going to take a quick pause here to, to, to pour a beer because I think, I think we all need it. <laughs> Hold on. This is the Pumpkin Kerfluffle. Uh, according to Prairie, it is an imperial sour beer with pumpkin pie spice blend and toasted marshmallow. Come okay, on, see what you think of this one. <laughs> I can't get... I get a little, like, pumpkin spice flavor up front, and then it finishes with, like, that marshmallowy sweetness real quick. Like, it's like a second of pumpkin, marshmallow, finished sweet, nothing. Kind of a tart after aftertaste. I'm not even getting a lot of tartness. Really? Because I get like a, I get like the pumpkin spice off the top, and then yeah, kind of, kind of balanced by like marshmallowy sweetness that kind of blends with the tartness and kind of finishes. Maybe just like a little acidicness towards the back, but n- n- not as much as I was expecting. Yeah. But it's also 8.2% alcohol. So there you go. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so. There, so I guess what we're saying is there have been problems all across the company. And McKellar seemed uh, at every turn to just simply deny or obscure or cut and paste corporate speak whenever any allegations would start to come up. 
The theme across all these complaints is that people at the top at the top of the company just blew it off, or they're saying it's not a problem, or you should just be happy to work for a brewery as innovative and fun as us. Um, um, you know, so the protest the protest art installation. Um, here's McKellar's official response. Are you ready for it? We really think that a visit to our headquarters will change the conception of the protesters have of us. We are friendly people, and we'd like to have a conversation about anything related to McKellar and the beer industry. The only thing uh, <laughs> that was missing from that was, we like to think of our company as one big family. <laughs> we believe in diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, they, they've put out, they've had to put a hundred of these statements out, and they all read, you know, some of them do include those. They just fucking had a bot go and go, craft beer terms, corporate... You could go through um, a lot of McKellar's releases and play, like, corporate apology bingo. <laughs> we we almost need to make a bingo card of corporate apology. Corporate apology. And then one episode we just devote to pulling up, like, founders fuck up, Brewdog, uh, AB's plenty of them, uh, <laughs> platform, uh, McKellar. And let's see if we can black out a bingo or just black out. <laughs> um, I'm on it. Okay. Um, but it's also this is also a hard story to, to, to go into because you have to really pour through a lot of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, a lot of these posts going back 10 years or more before you realize this Ooh, has been a uh, constant problem. This is a culture, not right. an issue. Well, and for me, at every turn, you know, as I'm... Again, this was a this was a whole uh, uh, morning for me, and it felt like that proverbial snowball rolling down the hill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at any time, someone from a Keller could kind of stop out, come out and say, "Hey, we're we're sorry, we're not going to do that anymore," and could kind of stop it. But this has gotten out of control. We're we fucked up. Yeah, but they haven't, and the snowball finally hit the fucking village this weekend. Um, when, in the wake of continuing allegations and the good beer hunting story, um, three breweries announced... This wasn't this last weekend, it was the weekend before, right? Because okay, I saw this story coming out it was last the... week. Yeah, it was the weekend before. Uh, but we had our guests that we were speaking That's to. That's right. So. Um, but uh, three breweries announced they were pulling out of the McKellar beer celebration um, in Copenhagen on... It was October 23rd, so... No, it was just this last weekend. Okay. Um... More breweries. Um, it, I was fu- going to say, it was like a game, the fucking Kerplunk game. Once those three came out, everything just fell to the fucking um, bottom, man. Bearded Iris pulled out, Highland Park Brewing, The Vale, uh, Fair State, Jester King, uh, the 24 in uh, in all, um, all pulled, the, pulled uh, out of the festival. Um, those who did attend found themselves on the pointy end of a firestorm. Yeah. And then, and only then... Did McKellar step forward and make a statement? And I would read that statement, but we don't have the bingo cards ready yet. <laughs> you can check it out if you like, but there's, if again, there's nothing in that that's, <laughs> that's of any... Basically take BP oil speech when they flooded the Gulf of Mexico with oil, tweak it a few to talk about craft beer and family, and there it is. You know, blah, 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 we take these things seriously, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're we're list, we're investigating. Bottom line: if they did any of the things they say they did in this statement, they wouldn't be having this problem. You know, the, what's happening now is proof that what you're saying is horseshit. 
Um, but, and of course, this statement got pretty much the response you would expect on social media. I really kind of want to start... Like throwing a can of gasoline on fire? Pretty much. I feel like I kind of want to go to some of these companies and like, like look at social media posts and go, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think was going to happen and... How much did you pay someone to write that? Because I could have got you a better response by just typing out, we're sorry. That's to say. We fucked up. Um, <laughs> please give me my 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, like I say, again, have you been to the internet? Um, but again, they either refused to engage or uh, just dropped it. Um, hoping people forget about it because... Um, people will ask some very basic questions, you know, like, for example, you know, if you're really all about inclusion and all that shit, why is this happening? Are the people who did this still employed? Shit like that. And at the end, as near as I could tell on social media, um, I couldn't make it to Copenhagen this year, unfortunately. Um, but... Kickstart our way there, baby! (laughs) Let's give it a few years. (laughs) Um... Yeah, because we're boycotting this festival as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's definitely not because uh, tickets to Copenhagen are fucking expensive. No, it's it's we're we're boycotting it, starting yeah. now. Um, no, despite uh, about a quarter of the breweries dropping out, um, reportedly they managed to find replacements. Um, and I allegedly, guess, well, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me because I it, it strikes me that. You know, a calculated risk. You know, there's a this. Say what you want. McKellar still is a gigantic voice in an international craft beer, um, and this and this festival is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's very much a who's who of the craft beer world. World being, if you have an invite to this, right. you're getting exposed to people who may have never fucking heard of. So you. a quick back of the envelope calculation might indicate that with you know, I mean, even with some blowback. It probably is worth to just show your name and, you know, appear on the world stage like this. Um, and this dichotomy might actually be best illustrated by the following little tidbit. Uh, Brienne Allen, that's, uh, uh, she's the one we talked about uh, yes. uh, back in May in Y'all Done Fucked Up and Trappist in Danger. Um, to recap, Allen, basically after a bad day at work, um, a really bad day, kicked off an internet firestorm by asking the question, hey, has anybody encountered uh, sexual harassment at, at your brewery job? <laughs> I feel there was like one, like, international, one big international craft brewery. Was it McKellar at that time? Where, or, I feel there was some big brewery, but I can't remember what, where he, like, the founder or CEO was gonna have to step down because of the culture he had built. I mean, it's 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 becoming quite frequent uh, uh, lately. But uh, um, I mean, we'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, well, we'll get to we'll we'll get to McKellar. I think it was McKellar. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, she basically, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, got a lot of people talking about. You know how women fare in this industry, and actually, since then, she helped launch a collaboration project called Brave Noise, kind of in the same spirit as Black is Beautiful. Um, to brew Brave Noise, breweries must have a code of conduct for their brewery employees and customers, and they must make a donation to a relevant charity. But it turns out a number of breweries that both brewed Brave Noise, oh no, and showed up in Copenhagen, oh. 
which is a bit of a tell, but I mean, kind of, I don't know, it kind of proves an underlying fact. It's profitable for a brewery to raise the mantle of inclusion, and it's also profitable to go to a beer fest hosted by a brewery with a spotty history thereof. Um, but I, for me, I still sort of take comfort in the fact that the change is coming. It's coming a lot slower than I think most people would like, but the pressure is there and it's growing. Um, here's the one bright spot, and it came when the founder of McKellar, Mikkel Borg, um, went a bit off script this week, went to Danish media outlets to basically scream that none of these things were issues. They're all part of, uh, they're all part of a, a, um, a activist that were trying to run his business. Um, and, it's since, and since then, it seems that McKellar's leadership have really kind of been stepping to the side with, for when the lightning strikes. Um, CEO Kenneth Madsen wrote to Good Beer Hunting, um, that uh, his comments did not convey the company's or McKellar's stance in full on this serious topic. The two interviews were unfortunately conducted during a very stressful time, possibly while he was hammered, I added that part, uh, with a founder who is extremely proud and protective of the business that he's created. And for the first time, just before the festival, the company itself issued an actual apology saying, quote, we have issues in our place of work, we are sorry, we are responsible, we need to change. If you would have done that at the beginning, we wouldn't be talking about it. But I guess all that remains to be seen is that this stage, is that enough? Um, And it's also important to see if that sentiment actually goes anywhere. So, Yeah. It was Modern Times CEO that I was Okay, yeah. I was was about to say, I was thinking it was Modern Times or uh, Boulevard, because their CEO also... Yeah, I think um, it was the Modern Times I was thinking of. I don't know, I'm trying to stop and think uh, if the brewery I work for was invited to a big festival like this and we had agreed to go, if we would pull out with this allegation. I don't know, what do you th- what do you think? I, I'm sitting here thinking on I it. mean, it's just one of those things going, well... I'd like to think that we go, you know what, we, you know, we value, you yeah. know, our, our corporate values are, you know, you know, are, are such that this is unacceptable and we will not uh, associate with people who conduct their business thusly. I would like to think we would. But, but also, that's, I, I, that's a lot of, that's a lot of exposure, which could potentially yeah. be a lot of money. And as uh, you know, I've been doing some, like, looking into, as I've noticed, you know, all the fallout with founders Still, still seeing, still seeing some real growth. So there is, there's a real question to whether this shit. I mean, it doesn't help your business, but it doesn't. There doesn't seem to be enough pressure. As long as you come out and do the, we're sorry. I think the brewery I work for, we would pull out because most of the decisions on the festivals are left up to the sales team. Yeah, and so the sales team would sit down and talk and. Probably but, be like, uh, you know what? Let's skip this. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's uh, let's let's just give this one. We'll a miss. be there next year if you <laughs> want. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk next year. Well, I mean, and they probably says something about why uh, you are not McKellar because you know people in your position um, would be more responsible for that decision or at least informing somebody in charge, which it doesn't seem to be happening at McKellar. Yeah. Who seems to be like three dudes just going la la la? We make beer la la la. We're so cool Did la they la la. Work on fucking the Bud Light campaign. Bud Light takes no out of your fucking vocabulary. I mean, 
that would probably be the girls are awesome crew there that uh, that came up with that one. If well. I if they're uh, if 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 their uh, work on the uh, the female um, line of beers was any indication as to their deep connection with issues that uh, matter to women. But Fuck, dude. How? Like, if you're going to do a beer to try to showcase something, <laughs> whether it be, hey, we want to give a portion back to this scholarship or this wildlife or this trail program or some nonprofit or trying to help the community in some way, wouldn't you try to pull them in and be like, hey, what should help us name this beer? Help us brew this beer. Let's do this. Like, I know some breweries have, like, had the Pink Boots Society come in and help brew a beer and, like, tried to do it to help fund that. But you're getting the input of the people that you're trying to showcase. I would, my, my guess, um, and I was obviously not invited to the decision-making meetings, but from from the uh, uh, from a whole morning's uh, worth of research, uh, where I only paused for a little bit on the uh, chicks and bikes page, um, <laughs> my my research would indicate that what is probably um, that uh, you know the the dude bros at uh, at girls are awesome uh, came to McKellar and said, hey, do you want to market to women? And they said, sure, yeah. What do we gotta do? Like brew a beer and we'll put a label on it, and that was it. <laughs> I'm like, do we need to start our own fucking like consulting firm? It's all beer consulting. Uh, if you'd like us, if you feel like you may be fucking something up royally and you're gonna be you done fucked up, your brewery name, reach out to us for the low low price of a thousand dollars an hour. We'll come help you fix your shit. First of all, what we'll do is we'll walk through the front door, find your owner, and slap the living fuck out of him. And then tell you what you should be doing because it seems pretty fucking obvious. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there you go. Well, we'll start that. Uh, we'll we'll get that. We'll get that rolling soon. Coming in twenty twenty two. It's all beer. Uh, uh, Consulting. Cons- yeah, where we're gonna slap some fools and say, please actually issue an apology. <laughs> or even before you fuck up, go. You know, we're unsure. Should we do this beer label? I don't know. It looks vaguely Then mow us some fucking money and we'll be like... <laughs> Listen. <if> it... <laughs> the thing is, is, I don't understand how someone didn't make that noise because that's the exact noise I made when I saw him. <laughs> it's funny. It's just that, that little, ooh, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, at the brewery I work for, we've joked around about making some fucked up beer name beers. Oh, who, whom amongst us? But... It's always been, yeah. You get a quick little chuckle, but What's, no. What was the one we we were gonna sell the Oscar Blues? We wanted to do um, the Reach Around IPA. Uh, the Reach Around IPA. We have the goddamn Damn common, common courtesy. courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a more appropriate than the full hundred percent. Unfortunately, there already is a Reach Around IP, uh, IPA of. Brewery in Virginia was doing it, and that's a picture of a sloth. I feel they I feel that was uh, the, uh, a wasted. They left that door open. But anyway, I think we've gone way off into the weeds. Tyler, <laughs> what do you got for us? Well, I've got some philosophical questions. Okay. First of all, gotta stop. I'm gonna start in the weeds. Uh, one of my biggest fucking piss offs is in like movies or TV show when someone walks up and goes, "I'll take a beer," and then they get brought a fucking beer. Yes. And then when people do that, when you're standing behind a bar, and they're like, I'll take, I'm like, oh, what are you drinking? I'll take a beer. 
No fucking shit, bro. <laughs> this really is a, a problem for you, isn't oh, it? Oh, dude, it chaps my fucking ass. I'm like, you know what? You want a fucking IPA? You want a fucking cell? You want a fucking lager? You want a fucking hard seltzer? Just tell me the what the fuck you want. I mean, there was a a point in this nation's history yes. where you, it w- would be perfectly reasonable. Uh, give me a beer. Which yeah. one? I don't fucking care. It's all piss water. Pour it into a glass. I'm going to put it in me. And so, you know, I feel better but, about myself. But when you walk into, like, a craft beer bar or a brewery and go, I'll take a beer. That's, it, that is a little bit like... Get the fuck out! <laughs> Get the fuck out! I mean, I just grabbed the thing on the shelf that hasn't sold for, yeah. for like, three years. Like, here you go. <laughs> so... Off that soapbox now. Uh, there's an article from Popular Science talking. Why are beer si- serving sizes so weird? So it goes. It starts the article. I need a beer. Okay. That's why I was like, mm. okay. So when, like, if I were to come over to your house, Jeremy, can I get a beer? Yeah. What size container are you gonna give me? Well, let's see. I, uh, since I have draft in my house, um, if it's uh, uh, my normal beer, you know, one of my IPAs or a lager or something, 16-ounce pint, uh, if it's the bourbon barrel thing I've got, probably grab one of my smaller glasses, 10 or 8-ounce. Okay. So, as you can just witness, there's multiple sizing options. Yes, there there's are. There's no standard, like, commonly accepted. You walk up and go... I'll do that beer. You're going to get that size. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you take into account the whole world. I think these people are out of the UK or a uh, European country uh, based on some of the things in the article. Uh, but they talk about this. Uh, it goes, it turns out everything about beer quantities is all over the place. A standard beer bottle in or small can in the U.S. contains 355 milliliters. So in Freedom Units, 12 fluid ounces. Right. Uh, then there are tall boys, stovepipes, growlers, 40s, bombers, quarts, and of course, if you're drinking gr- draft half beer. Court, half quarts, pseudo horses, hogsheads, horse muffins. You yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, then you got pint, which a pint, depending where you are in the world, is going to mean something completely different. Oh. What does pint mean in... <laughs> so, um... In the United States, a pint is one-eighth of a gallon. Right. Uh, or everywhere in the world, a pint is one-eighth of a gallon. Okay. However, the U.S. uses a different gallon than the U.K. Of course we do. So the U.S. uses uh, and a U.S. gallon is 3.785 liters. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. British Imperial gallon is 4.56 liters. I was kind of aware of that, yeah. So, in a pint in the UK is 568 milliliters, uh, or about 20 ounces. Right. Uh, in the US, it's 16 ounces. So. So, yeah, actually, I was kind of aware of that. Uh, but. The ounces are also different. <laughs> Fuck me, running. The US fluid ounce is 29.6 milliliters. An imperial fluid ounce is 28.4 milliliters. It's, it's us, fucking Libya, and Miramar. <laughs> Stop this horseshit. Let's just do the metric system. <laughs> so, again, it's stupid. So us. fucking stupid. 
direct quote from the article. It's stupid, so fucking stupid. Uh, a stovepipe can, uh, which more and more craft brewers are starting to use. We've got one here. No, nope, that's a 16-ounce can. Oh, you're right. Stovepipe is like 19.2 ounces, which... Uh, is the exact equivalent of oh, an imperial Christ. pint. Oh, Christ. So, uh, and then, uh, to quote the article, somehow it gets even more baffling. French-speaking parts of Canada... Use the Royale with cheese. I know, I get it. A pint in English is 568 milliliters, and un pinta in French is twice that. All right. Uh, in Australia, a pint is 570 milliliters, rounded up from 568. But you're more likely to be served a schooner, which is either half or three quarters of a pint, depending where you're at. I thought I thought they only did schooners at Hooters. No, Piper Pub down in Boise used to do a schooner. Okay. Uh, R.I.P. They had a great happy hour. <laughs> uh, pour me that. Um. So. Why the fuck are there so much? Well, so originally, uh, the Magna Carta. Uh, Jesus, we're bringing the Magna Carta into this? Yes, because it actually plays into part of this, um, which was a peace treaty written up in England yep. between the king and the church. Uh, its main purpose was to limit the power of the crown, but also in it, they actually established a standard size for wine and ale and corn yes which which i which if you're fucking ads which, god damn it which uh if i remember uh if reading that correctly when they say corn that basically means all grain like wheat barley uh well what we know is corn wasn't a thing yet because they were because the people here were growing it yeah um that's more than most people need for this article i'm just so. i'm just double well in case anyone's confused as to why they're measuring uh, just corn <laughs> so I worry about our listeners, won't you? Because apparently the London Quarter, like to figure out why they included this, the London Quarter was less precise than it could be, referring to one fourth of a ton barrel, which varied in capacity. Because why the fuck wouldn't it? <laughs> so they tried to standardize it, where because people were varying based off. Buckets, uh, fluids behave different in different temperatures and atmospheric conditions. So, in 1824, they properly defined it. A gallon of liquid was the amount whose volume was that occupied by 10 pounds of distilled water weighed in air at 62 degrees Fahrenheit and a barometric, barometric pet pressure of 30. Uh, this came to 277.42 cubic inches of fluid. Uh, however, the U.S. had stuck with the briefly popular Queen, Al Queen Annie gallon of 231 cubic inches of fluid. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something strangely comforting that that uh, uh, about my country, which is, I mean, deep in our history, like, we're not changing. No, we don't, we don't want to do that. But we've, we've updated it. This makes more sense. We're not doing it. Okay, you do your own weird thing. We will. So, it's in our DNA just to be obstinate Because time. of this, if you are traveling abroad, you should very much be concerned 
if you just walk up and go, I'll get a round of this beer. <laughs> you could be getting anywhere from 8 to 32 fucking ounces. Uh, and they actually talked to a couple of people, and it goes, they need to follow the... Everyone should get on the world, or the checks. The whole world should get on the Czech style, where it's a smaller pour for all beers that you can drink quicker. It allows the carbonation to stay fully, doesn't heat up. Uh, save for session beers, the lower alcohol, then you go a bigger size because it's less alcohol. Um, but let's be honest, the world can't agree on fucking anything. So. It's all beers going to decide that, um, because we I've had some great <laughs> arguments. Uh, sixteen ounce can. What do you call it, Jeremy? Pint. Okay. Some people call this a. <laughs> that burns. Uh, uh, some people call this a pounder. Some people call it a tall boy. Some people call a twenty four ounce can a tall boy. So we're gonna come with. The standards right now, it's all beer, stamp of approval. When you walk up and order a draft beer, what size should it be? Pint. What size pint? 16 ounces. Make it, Amer- make it American. No, actually, let's make it 22 ounces. Why 22 ounces? Uh, it, seems like a good, it, just, it seems like a good amount of beer. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to say let's go 20 ounces. Let's okay. go the... Imperial pint, so 568 fucking milliliters, 20 ounces of beer is pint. Right. Okay. Package, what are we going with? I mean, I've always been kind of happy. Oh, um, well, so we got... Throw me a beer out of the cooler. What am I throwing? 24, 32, 12... Eight. We've, we've weirdly like decided that twelve ounces are for your regular run, and your and the sixteen ounces are for special releases. So that's the system we've got going. Are we, are we standardizing all cans? All cans. Then everything's coming in a sixteen ounce can. I like the format. Really? Yeah. Why? What did you? What would you go with? Okay. It. I would. I would stick with twelve ounce cans, so three hundred fifty-five milliliters. Special runs. Eight ounce can. Panga drop that bitch. <laughs> I mean, for it's oddly brilliant for like barrel aged, like thirteen percent, fifty percent. If you think about like most of like the special releases people do once a year, yeah, it's bigger, bolder beers. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So that makes sense. Like this, a little glass is about what you'll want, and there's mm-hmm. especially some special releases. Uh, especially from the crazier uh, breweries, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's about all I want of that. Mm-hmm. So, to finalize everything, pint should be 20 ounces okay. on draft. That way, a half pint is a 10-ounce pour. That's handy. Uh, standard can, standard core beers, everything, 12 ounce. 12 fluid ounce. I'm the fight. I like 16 ounce. I still like 16 ounce for... Sell me on... Sell me on 16. I mean, it's it's closer to a uh, to a pour that you would get at a bar. Um, and the... I don't know. I just like the format. It's just... Like, Are we doing... Six four packs of 16 ounce cans? Or are we doing four six packs of 16 ounce cans? 
because that breaks down to different volume case equivalents. Except for so. the one, both of the cans you have in your hand were came in four packs, uh, because one's prairie, uh, yes, the, you know, is, and weird. I'm talking. Let's talk. But your your regular run of beers, six pack. Let's not buck tradition. Okay, six six uh, sixteen. Six is sixteen. So you're now every brewery's got to adapt to this. Yes, and give away more beer for the same price. Well, let's say for the same price. But basically, this you're not going to be able to adjust it that much. Without people pissing and moaning. That's why I say we stick to 12 ounces. Everyone's been conditioned pretty well in the United States to this. But we're in an aluminum shortage. That saves more aluminum, the 16 ounce. Because you can put more liquid in. In in pretty much the same amount of aluminum. But. A lot of the can companies are starting to catch up. We'll be fine. Until the next time. I'm thinking of the future, motherfucker. (laughs) But can we both agree... 8.4 8.4 or 8 ounces on special release. Let's do it. Yes. we. Okay. So this should prove how impossible it should be for the world to get on this <laughs> because we can't even agree on a standard fucking size. <laughs> well done. Well, well, illustri- well illustrated. <laughs> so, Jeremy, what do we got next? Hard seltzer is over news now. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, you know, <laughs> so uh, uh, it turns out that uh, that 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 uh, hard seltzer is done. Uh, we can uh, move on. At least three headlines asked that question as I was looking through it. Hard seltzer is uh, is is a thing of the past. So, uh, yeah, kind of like uh, every year, it's this new crazy beer called Utopias that's banned in 15 states. Blah, 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 blah. News articles and fucking news outlets are lazy pieces of shit sometimes. It's kind of like fucking banks. Credit score is really just shitty at the turns. You could have a great credit score, but just found out your wife's been sleeping with the six pool boys and fucking leaving you for Javier. Uh, Why do you have six pool boys? I don't fucking know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, now you're drowning all your sorrows in a bottle. You're going to lose half your net worth to... You're fucking soon to be ex-wife, and you gotta start paying fucking alimony. <laughs> Bank's gonna think you're fucking set, but they don't realize you're about to drink yourself out of a job, and you're not gonna be able to pay back that fucking loan. <laughs> but on the flip side, once you've tanked your credit score, and you just got yourself back up, found a nice significant other to continue on your life with, and uh, you got it even better job back now they're gonna be like we ain't fucking loaning you shit motherfucker are you, are you trying to get a loan is that where this is coming from <laughs> no uh my where? finance professor in college went on the, that whole similar <laughs> rant but there was a lot more swear words i'm just I'm kind of wondering where did we get it okay i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying news outlets are like banks with credit scores <laughs> i mean they're terrible at the edges on something that's pretty consistent and easy they're good for i mean you know it's listen i i i did that on purpose because it's it's fun and then i suppose that uh uh like a poorly aimed firework when you light tyler off he sometimes goes in weird directions um (laughs) anyway uh hard seltzer is not over (laughs) um going but however going into this year who wouldn't go big on hard seltzer uh, the drink went from about three million in 2015 
the 4.5 billion in 2020. Uh, and the Boston Beer Company was absolutely riding this wave with their brand Truly, which was consistently at second place behind White Claw. I mean, distant second, yes. But you could see White Claw from where they were running. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, the share price of Boston Beer Company almost quadrupled, going from around 300 a share to well over 1,000. And also, why the fuck are we basing a category that's not tied to the fucking stock market, success or failure or dying or growing, based off a fucking company's share price. The stock market's more manipulated than a fucking casino slot machine. <laughs> it's safer to go to a casino and just piss your money down that. <laughs> I've, I feel like I've, uh, uh, I feel like uh, I've unearthed like a just a bunch of anger. <laughs> the pumpkin beers are working. <laughs> Just, Fuck you! Just, it's just vitriol pouring from you. Um, <laughs> all right, fine. Disregard the stock price. Jesus H. Um, <laughs> but it would appear that the good times for fizzy water um, uh, are at least mm, at a middle. Uh, this comes from craftbrewingbusiness.com by Chris Crowell. Uh, Boston Beer Company, which is, according to craftbeerbusiness.com, a craft beer company with quotes. They actually put quotes around craft beer company in that article. So that's got to hurt a little bit. Uh, This craft beer company uh, announced this week that they they would be dumping millions of cases of Truly as their product goes out of date to avoid it getting stale. I was unaware that hard seltzer got stale. I felt like it, it was a bit like Twinkies that way. I'm not sure how a year-old uh, White Claw tastes uh, different than a than a The fresh flavoring one. can start fading out. But I digress. Uh, which, I, I appreciate Boston Beer sticking to their quote-unquote craft beer roots. <laughs> uh, and Wait, that's going to be like on, on the It's All Beer official style guideline is we have to stop and go quote-unquote craft beer whenever we're talking about Sam Adams now. Uh, and actually, instead of trying to discount their product with, which their CEO did come out and say, yes. uh, instead we provide a high quality product for adequate prices. Uh, we are not going to discount that product and cheapen it for further because once you get on that slippery slope, people are going to stop buying till it's on discount again, and then you're just further tanking your fucking. Absolutely. Store no, shelf price. It absolutely makes sense why they would just, just dump it. First of all, I mean, for no other reason than it's fucking cheap to make. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, it, there's a lot of product going away. But um, this is actually on the heels, though, of the company's most expensive marketing campaign for Truly, in which they hired pop star Dua Lipa. I have no idea who the fucking idea who that is, but... Um, She's... I, I think it's she. <laughs> I think... Fair see. I'm glad I'm, I'm like I'm like I don't know who that is, but I'm old now. So you crazy yeah, kids yeah. in your in your. She's super popular. Uh, I've seen some of these ads. I've... She's got a couple like top hundred hits I'll, right now. So. Also, I'm I'm very happy because I we stream all of our television, so I don't watch commercials, and so I'm you know insulated from this. Um, but I guess what happened? Well, the. Uh, Sam Adams blames a few factors. First of all, we've hit peak seltzer. Um, the honeymoon phase where people would run out and buy literally one of every flavor they could get their greedy little hands on, that's faded. The thrill is gone. 
Uh, the people have settled on their favorite brand of fizzy booze, and they realize that it all kind of tastes the same anyway. Barely flavored water. I like this one. We're done. Second, on-premises back, baby. And hard seltzer is weirdly not a hit in that market. Um, White Claw is. Well, it's but it's not but it's, it's not something you can get on draft usually. Yes, but go stand in a bar in the middle of July. Yeah. And look how many fucking hard seltzer cans are in hands. Really? It will be liquor drinks, hard seltzer, pints of beer. See, as what I was reading indicated that that uh, um, hard seltzer was having trouble penetrating um, on premise. And maybe I'm just skewed from the Treasure Valley area. Yeah. I mean, the Boise area <coughs> moves fucking White Claw. Fair enough. I mean, I like two of our grocery stores in the Treasure Valley uh, were the top were in the top five of White Claw sales in the Pacific Northwest. The data seems to indicate, however, that. On-premise, you know, it's, it's the one place where seltzer is having... I mean, it's not invisible. I mean, you know, you're going to see that, but it, it, it still doesn't penetrate the way draft beer or cocktails do. Um, you know, it's... Uh, for the most part, or at least in a mar- as as whole in the market, hard seltzer is what you grab and take home and, you know, and drink by yourself, possibly while crying. Um, the third factor, new brands have created what Jim Coke calls consumer confusion, which is an optimistic way of saying everybody and their mother are producing a fucking hard seltzer right now. So there's exponentially more options. Not a huge growth in market, uh, but while it's still growing, it's not doing anything what it did uh, 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 earlier this decade. Tyler, you were cracking your knuckles. I feel like you have something. You've got... Oh, yes. Uh, Brian Roth has a whole nice little tweet trend. Uh based off of this article because uh this came out mid-september it's just we've had other shit to talk about yep um so his tweet starts off with uh company scared by the headlines risk uh of hard seltzer is dead risk missing out on beneficial trends such as premiumization of the hard seltzer brands uh the reopening of on-prem Spinoffs from established brands and the emergence of spirit-based seltzer-like product. Uh, seltzer-like product. <laughs> yes. So where you're using a, I know, I, 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 no, I, I understand what you're saying. A liquor base. I understand what you're saying. I just the, something about the phrase seltzer-like product just tickled my fancy somewhere. So year to date, as of September 22nd, uh, hard seltzer in IRI track chain retails outsold Bud Light. Yeah. Uh, the best-selling beer in the country. Yeah, uh, is likely to surpass four billion dollars in market sales by the end of September. It already has. This oh okay end of September. Yeah. We're in October now, Jeremy. Uh, and we'll pass 2020's record of four point four billion dollars in total sales by the end of October. It's also outpaced growth of all other alcohol categories in the last 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he then goes... Uh, Although, I don't know if he'd mentioned this, there actually was, in September, the first time a, um, a small dip in the overall seltzer market. Now, we're talking three weeks out of the year where it dropped 
one percent or two percent. Yes. I mean, you know, almost almost a rounding error. But for the first time, it actually did. The market We're coming did... towards a, and and everyone saw this in craft beer and yeah. did the same headline: craft beer's dying. No, it's maturing finally. So you'll still see growth, but it's never going to be the thousand percent growth you saw before. Right. Uh, and he talked because also you have spirit-based seltzers coming in. You have different, more and more players are starting to get into the game where people are, that overall market share is starting to consolidate. Uh, he talked through September 12th, spirit-based seltzers were already up 92% in IRA tracked sales dollars compared to 2020. At 218 million, this seltzer subcategory is making about the same as Michelob Ultra and Vizzy combined. Yeah. So, it's diversifying and maturing. It's not dying. <laughs> um, the final... Um, and um, then someone tweeted back this meme at him. Um, <laughs> what, he, uh, what Tyler showed me is like a bunch of like... Uh, you know, generic human faces with uh, with all the um, news outlets news outlets on their foreheads, all saying the hard seltzer bubble has finally burst. Um, <laughs> the fourth factor. I was getting back to the what I wanted to talk about. Um, the fourth factor that uh, Coke pointed at was quote a challenging comparative period of significant pantry loading. Re- Related to on-premise restrictions in the second quarter of 2020. Tyler, do you have any of the fuck idea what that what that those words mean? Oh, and I was reading something, and so I missed what you said. All right, he said the fourth factor was I'm quoting here a challenging comparative period of significant pantry loading related to on-premise restrictions in the second quarter of 2020. Oh yes, so he's comping off-prem numbers from last year when the lockdown began. Yeah. So last year in March, when all the lockdowns began, uh, everyone stocked up on everything. Toilet paper, alcohol. That's why you saw a lot of legacy brands see a nice uptick last year. Uh, and so he's that- comping numbers of hard seltzer didn't go away during the lockdown. Everyone, even though if they would have fucking realized, they just had to buy a fucking $20 bottle of Smirnoff and add it to fucking... LaCroix and they had the same fucking thing for half the price but I remember because basically all bars shut down so we were helping our distributor stock shelves uh, face products and grocery stores a lot of the Albertsons in the Treasure Valley were also because they set their planners for their sales and their ads months ahead of time Right. also had a lot of the hard seltzers on like buy one get one half off and so they were just our distributor was talking they're like we're beating fourth of july numbers yeah on everything yeah and so that prolonged success of sales is that okay that's what and so when everyone's not stocking up and literally just buying pallets of hard seltzers because they know they're going to be locked in their house with their significant other and crotch goblins for the next month I want to drink. You can't compete. I want to drink proper booze, but I mean, I'd want to drink too. Um, actually, thank you. That that makes quite a lot of sense. I kind of read that sentence. I'm going. I, I those words don't mean anything to me. Um, so second quarter is but, months four through six <laughs> of the year. Thank you. 
welcome. Um, to make matters worse, while they were gearing up to produce a shit ton of hard seltzer, another brand of theirs was experiencing double-digit growth. Twisted tea. Damn right. For some <laughs> reason. <laughs> the video viralness of <laughs> stay strapped or get clapped. Pop. Uh, <laughs> Twisted tea. Did it hurt Twisted Tea's popularity. Twisted so if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a guy talking shit, yelling very racist things at an African-American customer of a gas station who was holding a Twisted Tea 24-ounce can. Finally, he gets done listening to this motherfucker talk shit. And bitch slaps him with a twisted tea, which is not carbonated, by the way. But it looked like someone just fucking opened up a Coke can that had been rolling around in the bed of a pickup for a month. Uh, and he went down like a sack of shit. Uh, so that helped boost their numbers a little, too. <laughs> I was unaware of that particular that particular thing, but uh, it does mean that Twisted Tea was experiencing um, out of stocks um, across the country while they were sitting on full tanks of White Claw or White Claw Truly uh, that they couldn't push out. So, um, as I was I was going to conclude this, like, what does this mean? Is seltzer over? I think Tyler has pretty pretty much <laughs> laid it out. No, it's fine, everybody. They the uh, what happened was Sam Adams overestimated how much seltzer was going to be this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good bet. I don't think I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that bet. It was a safe bet. But um, they, they did overestimate by quite a lot. Yeah. And honestly, if they axed fucking Angry Orchard, they'd probably... Or even fucking Sam Adams. They'd <laughs> probably have the and, tank space to not... That's why they got the quote marks craft beer brand when they finally go, you know what, fuck this Sam Adams bullshit. Let's just fill these things with Twisted Tea and Truly. <laughs> and that let, little one over there can be our cider. Let, let Dogfish Head make the beer. <laughs> you guys, you crazy kids are doing fine. Uh, Tyler, uh, anything else today? Uh, yeah, uh, speaking of Boston Beer Company, quote unquote, uh, Boston beer. It's a craft beer company. Uh, Dogfish Head is doing their uh, worldwide style aged in Utopias barrels. So saw that on Twitter this week. You know what's you know what stuff is illegal in like 14 states, right? And that's about to be even more illegal. Uh, <laughs> so outside of that, everyone have fun, drink lots of good beer, and pumpkin beers are the devil. Um, and this has been It's All Beer. Uh, you can see the articles we used to make this and put this together on our Twitter feed along with some other things. Um, occasionally I run across uh, some unintended pornography and I put that up too. And you can find that on our Instagram feed, uh, It's All Beer. On our Facebook page, which uh, uh, where a lot of Instagram goes, find us at It's All Beer. And if you'd like to complain about uh, about uh, uh, Tyler and his inexplicable uh, hatred of, uh, of pumpkin beer um, and the stock market, um, you can uh, write to us at it's all beer. Fucking scam, guys! It's all it's all beer at gmail.com. I mean, it's been going up while the economy's tanking. I feel like that's that says market manipulation <laughs> is only acceptable when it benefits the fucking banks. And that'll be all from us before uh, <laughs> before uh, uh, the uh, Bear Stearns comes down on us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna commit fraud uh, at a banking fraud. Hold the line. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.